Welcome to The Gaggle, an AZ Central podcast where we chat with reporters, experts, and special guests to keep you fully informed on the state's political news. I'm your host, Yvonne Winget Sanchez. I cover national politics for the Arizona Republic. And I'm Ron Hansen, also a national political reporter for the Republic. We send our kids to school every day thinking they'll be safe. They're surrounded by their friends, their coaches, their teachers. But a position of trust, a new investigation by the Arizona Republic and KJZZ 91.5 FM found that on average, 40 teachers a year are disciplined or surrender their teaching certificates for what the State Education Board characterizes as sexual misconduct. Not all teachers are treated equally when they come under scrutiny for their behavior. It doesn't go away. Like you can live your life normally and you can power through the days where you feel like you're struggling, but it's just a constant like buzzing in your ear that like this happened. Oh, and by the way, he's not in jail. Arizona has about 55,000 certified working teachers. Every year, about 40 teachers are disciplined by the Arizona State Board of Education, or they surrender their teaching certificate after allegations of sexual misconduct. The Arizona Republic and KJZZ together reviewed more than 180 allegations of teacher sexual misconduct from the past four and a half years investigated by the Arizona Department of Education. So these cases really range uh, when it comes to offenses. One teacher inadvertently displayed sexually explicit Facebook posts between himself and another adult on a smart board that students saw, for example. Some teachers sent students sexually explicit text messages. Some were caught viewing pornography on district-issued computers. And dozens were accused of molesting or inappropriately touching children. The data showed that sometimes the system works. Misconduct is reported to the proper channels, it's investigated, teachers receive their due process, and those found to have acted inappropriately are forced out of the classroom. Some are charged and even go to prison. But it also showed numerous instances where the state's confusing and inconsistent system of school, state, and sometimes criminal investigations failed young survivors of sexual abuse and their families. The Republic KJZZ investigation found that cases stalled at all levels, revealing glaring vulnerabilities in the state's framework that is designed to discipline teachers. For example, school investigations and training requirements fall short. Years of disorganization at the Arizona State Board of Education and the Department of Education led to a backlog of disciplinary cases, some 332 cases. Some of those involved sexual offenses discovered in 2015. And although the state has since caught up with the backlog, not all cases were dealt with quickly. That meant lengthened time for justice for some of the victims. And investigators who examine allegations of sexual misconduct still carry high caseloads. Here to talk to us about their deep dive into more than 180 cases of allegations of sexual misconduct cases involving Arizona's public school system 
Our Republic reporter, Lily Altavena, and KJZZ reporter, Mariana Dale. Hi, thanks for having us. Hello. You spent seven months examining this issue. That's a very long time. Why did you decide to dive into this issue so deeply? So these cases come up probably about every week in breaking news stories, and you hear the allegation, teacher accused of sexual misconduct at a school. Maybe there's one or two follow-ups, but usually you don't know the end of that case. You don't know the context of that. So we wanted to take a step back and look at that ecosystem and exactly what is happening here. And I think both of us had been picking at this issue for some time and working together really allowed us to give a comprehensive look of all of these cases and see that there has been an uptick in recent years. Okay, so let's get into that a bit. What exactly did you find? The system falls short. There are loopholes in the system. Um, For example, not all of Arizona teachers are certified. Around 40% of charter teachers and 4% of district teachers don't hold certification. The discipline system doesn't apply to those 6,000 teachers. That means if they behave in an inappropriate way at school, but the conduct isn't criminal, there's a chance they could go to a different charter school because there's really no agency to report that conduct to. I think one of those cases uh, happened in Tucson. There was a gentleman named Joseph Massey. He was a teacher at a traditional district school. Uh, He was accused of sexual misconduct with a 15-year-old student. He was acquitted on those charges. The state did not investigate them, even though they have a lower burden of proof than the criminal system. And he went on to teach at several charter schools where he was accused of more sexual misconduct, inappropriately touching teenage girls. Girls. He was able to move from school to school. Even when his certification expired, he was able to keep teaching because charter schools don't require teachers to be certified. And in the end, he did finally end up getting convicted of some charges related to inappropriate touching of young girls at a charter school. But there were a lot of people that were affected by this person who arguably shouldn't have been able to continue teaching after that first allegation. You heard from one of his accusers at the beginning of this episode, and you'll hear from her again at the end because it's important to hear her voice and what happened to her and the impact. Mariana, that is astounding that uh, he was allowed to continue to teach and kind of churn through various uh, schools around the state. What were the responses from the people in charge on not just this case, but the findings of your guys' investigation. So some of the administrators at these schools where this particular teacher worked um, did not choose to talk to us even though we reached out to them We saw in a police interview transcript that one of these administrators saw that this teacher had a fingerprint clearance card, and he thought that was good enough to justify why this person should be in a classroom, even though if you had Googled this person, you would see that they had this history. I think increasingly policymakers, people on the State Board of Education have become aware of these issues, but they've also realized that to change the system and to make it more effective, it's going to require changes in statute. Right. So we know that the leader of the state charter board, Kathy Sensman, has been in conversations with the president of the Board of Education, Luke Narducci, and they've been talking about these loopholes for more than a year. So they've known about this for a while and about how to close some of these loopholes, like the uncertified 
charter system, but that isn't necessarily going to be an easy fix because that means charter schools may have to start tracking their teachers and where their teachers are going. So there might be some political hurdles there, and that is something that will need to be fixed on a state legislature level. So let's talk about that for a moment. Um, Again, these issues are not exactly new. We've seen it uh, over many years, these so-called loopholes. Why haven't lawmakers, why hasn't the governor, why haven't other groups pushed more forcefully on this issue? Yeah, that's a good question. And I can't say that I know the answer to it or that I know exactly when they've found out about these loopholes. Uh, Other states have certainly been a little more judicious in what they've, the loopholes that they've closed. You know, some states mandate some very specific training against sexual abuse, like Pennsylvania. Uh, Arizona doesn't do that. and, And maybe it's just sort of a symptom of Arizona's political landscape. I mean, you guys talked to students who've made allegations of sexual abuse against their teachers. Were you surprised by what you heard from them? I think each one of these cases is extremely individual, and the way that each of these people has been impacted is unique to them. But I think what's most consistent is that this is not just something that goes away. This type of abuse, this trauma follows people throughout their lives. And I think that gets in, you know, at the title of our series is a position of trust. We expect that teachers are going to take care of children and teachers are tasked with forming this very unique relationship with children where they are, um, children are comfortable in a classroom, but yet you cannot cross that boundary. Teachers are not your child's friends. They're not their family members. And certainly they shouldn't be having romantic relationships with students. And so I think for the women that we talk to, um, this really damaged their sense of what is a healthy relationship? Who can I trust? And sometimes led to, you know, very real mental health issues. And we heard some of the same things from these girls, things like when they first talked to a, a, you know, a person in authority, they felt like they were in trouble when they were obviously the ones who were hurt in these cases. Uh, when they talked to parents, they were too afraid to talk to their parents in some cases. Some, in a lot of cases, they didn't know what was happening to them was wrong because nobody had spelled it out that this kind of relationship shouldn't exist, that this kind of thing shouldn't happen. Were boys as equally targeted as girls? So what we found was that 80% of the teachers who committed sexual misconduct were men, even though they are the minority when you look at the overall number of teachers. Um, We don't have a breakdown on the gender of the victims, but these cases affected both young girls and young boys. So we've seen the damage that this can do to the students. And we understand that lawmakers to this point have not done much uh, about this. But where do we go from here? What do we see state leaders doing moving forward in light of what you all have found? So we've witnessed some preliminary talks about these issues at a state board retreat in Flagstaff just this month. We heard state board members kind of hearing this registry idea, some of them for the first time hearing some of these loopholes for the first time. So we got to hear their reactions to some of these um, and and whether 
whether they think this will be addressed in state statute, whether they think it'll make it through the legislature. So in that board meeting, some state board members were concerned about adding work onto charter schools, potentially having to report more. School superintendent Kathy Hoffman addressed those concerns in an interview with us the week after the board discussed the loopholes. I know some people were concerned that we don't want to add an extra burden for school administrators or school leaders. I mean, but to me, it seems like we should be putting school safety and, and our children's safety first and ahead of everything. So I, I think that this upcoming legislative session, we will see some of these fixes proposed, potentially. That session starts in January, um, according to tradition. That's just the calendar that they work off of. But I have to ask, so they're looking at this issue. They know something needs to be done. How long have they known about these so-called loopholes and why have they not acted? Well, we talk about that backlog that was discovered back in 2015. So clearly there was something wrong at the time. If you have hundreds of these cases that are going um basically not being forgotten about, but they're being they're not being addressed. Um, one issue is that the investigators that work on these cases have extremely high caseloads, up to 165 cases per investigator. Feasibly, that seems like something that you could address with increasing the funding to that department so that you could hire more investigators and adjudicate these cases much more quickly. Um, not a mind reader, so I can't say why this hasn't been a priority, but there has certainly been some people within education leadership positions that know that this is a problem. Right. And the Department of Education will be requesting more money for the investigative unit in their upcoming budget request. And I think they want four more investigators and one more administrative assistant. Mariana, you were recently at a meeting with state lawmakers. What did you hear from them on all of this? Yes, I was at a meeting. Senator Paul Boyer and Heather Carter were talking about this change that was made last session that gives sex abu sexual abuse survivors more time to sue their abusers. But they indicated that this is just the beginning of the conversation, that they believe that there is more that can be done to prevent child sex abuse. Boyer had previously sponsored legislation that would have required sexual abuse prevention training in schools. It failed in 2018. He said he's willing to sponsor that kind of legislation again. Senator Carter was asked what is the number one thing that she would be looking to do next session, and here's what she had to say. Um, closing the loophole that allows predators to continue to work in our school because there is a gaping hole in statute. Just because somebody gets a fingerprint clearance card doesn't mean that they aren't a predator. So this is in reference to Arizona's current inability to track or discipline uncertified teachers as well as coaches or other staff at schools. So what can parents do to encourage conversations with their kids about this very sensitive topic? And what can we tell them to make sure that they are not targeted by their teachers. I think social media and text messages play a big role in this. We've seen a lot of communication and these inappropriate relations begin 
through text messages that maybe started out as innocent. So your kids should know that generally it's inappropriate to text with their teacher unless it's on school-related activities. And even then, there are apps that exist that parents can monitor. There are email systems where a parent can be CC'd. And there are apps that parents can have to monitor what's going on in their child's social media life. In, in the Brittany Zamora case, which is a recent case out of Goodyear where a teacher was sentenced to 20 years for abusing a 13-year-old student who was a male, the word baby kept coming in his Instagram messages. And an app notified the parents and they were able to see that something wrong was happening. And outside of social media, something that we've heard from experts is even from when children are very young, you need to be teaching them the anatomically correct names for their body parts. A lot of times in these cases, police rely on forensic interviews with children. And if they are unable to describe where someone touched them, then that can really damage a possible criminal case. And so that's something that can start when children are very young. What should parents do if they suspect that their child is being targeted? They should gather evidence if they suspect their child is being targeted. So take screenshots of what you see on social media, collect any letters that are being written, and then notify the school administrators. Let the parent, let the administrator know, the principal know, that you think something weird is going on and that they should keep an eye on that teacher and that student so they know are they alone in a classroom together? That's not good. Are they taking off after school or during school? Are there excessive absences? That way, there are a lot of eyes on that student and a lot of eyes on that teacher. And if you are what's considered a mandatory reporter, say you are a teacher and you have a reasonable belief that sexual misconduct is occurring or that a child is otherwise in danger, you are obligated by law to contact the authorities, so either the Arizona Department of Child Safety or police. And we'll go ahead and we will put that information in the program notes as well. All right, listeners. Uh, really troubling stuff. Let's dive into some afterthoughts on this issue, kind of breaking down the political and the policy aspects of this. Looking towards January when the session starts, what can we expect to see from state leaders and lawmakers on this front to close these loopholes and to prevent future cases like this from happening? So we now know that state agencies are talking about it, like we said. And now that a legislative session is upcoming, now we know that legislators have begun to talk about reform, like Arizona State Senator Heather Carter, we will be looking out for specific reform and bills. Mariana, there seems to be a political reality uh, at work with this legislative um, uh, approach to these problems. Tell us a bit about what we saw last year. Yeah, so that there have been bills introduced before that would have mandated sexual abuse prevention training in schools, bills introduced by both Democrats and Republicans, and they never went anywhere. Perhaps with more information, this will be a priority in the next legislative session because there are dozens of states that already mandate this type of education for both staff and students. Something that perhaps might be more difficult is the creation of this registry that would be tracking uncertified teachers, because that gets into the issue we talked about earlier with Arizona being fairly light on a lot of regulation in the state. 
The governor talks a lot about protecting the vulnerable and about public safety being his number one priority, but he hasn't really spoken on this, so it will be interesting to follow up with him to try to get a sense of where he lands on this issue. And if you want to reach his office or your state lawmakers, please Google them. You can find their numbers. Go to azledge.gov. You can uh, reach all of their staff members, and they do track constituent communications. And so uh, we think that this is a, a really important topic and one you should be thinking about. And we think one of the survivors said it best about why we should all care about trying to fix this issue. You have to say something because even if you don't care enough about yourself to find justice, like there's someone else who's been negatively affected by this abuser. Thank you both for doing this investigation at all and for breaking it down for us on the gaggle and for our listeners. How can they find more about your investigation? To read our stories of the Arizona Republic, you can go to positionoftrust.azcentral.com. And to hear the audio stories, you can go to positionoftrust.kjzz.org. And how can people find you two? You can find me on Twitter at Lily Alta. And you can also find me on Twitter. I'm at Mariana underscore Dale. That's it for today, Gaggle listeners. While we still have you, please don't forget to rate and review our show and share it with a friend. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter, I'm at Yvonne Winget. And I'm at Ronald J. Hansen, and that's H-A-N-S-E-N. Today's episode was edited and produced by Kayla White with oversight from Katie O'Connell. Thanks so much for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. We'll see you next week. Hey, Gaggle listeners, it's Yvonne again. Keep an eye out. We are going to be dropping a special bonus episode featuring Joe Arpaio. We're going to sit down and talk with him about his run for Maricopa County Sheriff.